I'm Olivia Sinfield and I'm delighted to introduce the first in our new series of Future of Work podcasts, looking at issues that are relevant to businesses today and in our future world of work. We're launching this series over the next few weeks with podcasts looking at different issues relevant to hybrid working, a topic which is never far from the front pages at the moment. So today to kick us off, we are doing a deeper dive into health and safety considerations relevant to hybrid working. And I'm absolutely delighted to welcome my colleague, Mary Lawrence, who is head of our health and safety team to talk to us around the key issues. A very warm welcome, Mary. Oh, thanks, Olivia. Great to be here. So, Mary, if I can start by asking you to describe to us the sorts of measures that you've seen employers putting in place so far um, in relation to employees working from home. Yes, well, um, thanks, Olivia. It's, we've seen a real range of approaches, I'd say, um, throughout and evolving, I'd say, over the last 18 months uh, through the pandemic. And then getting to the point where businesses are starting to think about these more permanent hybrid models. So I'd say one of the first kind of key focuses was always on equipment provision, which is maybe obvious. Um, businesses needed to make sure that people were kept comfortable when they were in their home environment. Um, and they were thinking about everything from um, a laptop riser to a separate keyboard to, to chairs and all those things that we know we just take for granted in our office environment. Um, what we've then seen evolving is more of um, a sort of risk assessment approach where businesses are actually taking a step back and thinking about um, desk setups and in fact the broader risks when people are uh, in that home working environment and a number of people I expect listening will be really familiar with the concept of a DSC assessment which is all about workstation setups. Um, we've seen businesses starting to look at kind of online models that might be used so that essentially you, the worker, will um, receive some training, maybe through a sort of like a compliance training model, um, and then you'll go about self-assessing um, your environment and your equipment needs and that type of thing. But I'd say um, that the third thing really is what we're now seeing is a real increased focus about how to promote positive well-being and mental health while people are working at home. Obviously, as people are thinking about this hybrid model and, and, and permanent um, approach, and I think that's going to be a real focus over the years to come about how to both uh, promote but also to guard against um, mental ill health in that occupational environment. Yeah, that's really interesting, Mary. Um, and I think from what you're say, saying, it's clear that health and safety considerations have really moved up business agendas over the last 12 months. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and the stage we're at now where employers are moving from remote working being seen as being potentially a temporary state of affairs to um, considering it more permanent either fully remote working models or hybrid working models where they'll have some people working from home and others returning to the office. Are there any additional health and safety considerations they should be thinking about? Yeah, I think if, if a business hasn't done so already, what I think is really valuable is to go back to the fundamental health and safety legal duties that exist. And a lot of businesses may not have had to really think about this in a, say, a traditional office environment for a really long time. People have had fixed desks, facilities, teams may have come and taken care day one of set up, and there might have been a trigger if, for instance, um, somebody was pregnant and told HR and, and then that got looked at again. But 
we're now in an environment where just so many things are changing and actually that traditional approach just really isn't very fit for purpose. So um, I think businesses who are taking the time to think about where their people are working, how they're going to be working, and what really is the kind of reasonably practicable steps, which is the legal test, that they can be taking um, to preserve um, well-being and, and safety, that they're going to be really well served by uh, doing that. And although um, you might say, well, it's just the law, um, the, the various health and safety regulations are obviously put there precisely to ensure health and well-being. And so by going through all those various uh, regulations, it's a really good way to um, make sure that these new systems are kind of fit for purpose from that risk side, um, yeah. as well as all the other considerations around hybrid working. It's interesting, Mary, because you've, you've used the term well-being a couple of times um, in this conversation so far. Have you ever um, seen a time, any other time, when it's been so important to businesses to look after and care for their people? I, th I think this has really highlighted, particularly for office-based businesses, um, issues that were probably already coming to the fore. So uh, we were already talking about mental health uh, in a in a business sense and occupational sense for quite some time. But as we were suddenly pushed into an environment where people were very isolated, where we had to think about supervision models and where, of course, a lot of stuff was going on in people's lives outside of work, I think that's really brought it into focus. And I think that um, one of the things that our team talk a lot about is saying that traditionally well-being considerations might sit, for instance, with occupational health or maybe HR teams. But the health and safety teams are really skilled at looking at um, that issue as a risk issue um, and in doing so thinking about whether all the, the measures or the policies that are in place actually really fix the problem as well as doing lots of other good things. So I think it really is a, a big time at the moment for, for health and safety. Yeah, I'd agree. All the employee surveys that we've seen uh, sort of show that employee engagement and empowerment are ranking highly, whereas engagement is, is um, sorry, well-being is dipping um, now. So it's certainly something that businesses we're talking to are really concerned about. It's really interesting when you talk about um, in engagement and empowerment, um, when we talk about something that sounds like a bit of a boring subject about setting up your desk, your computer and your chair, um, one of the things that is going to have to change as we move into hybrid and as we carry on working at home is that workers are going to have to start doing that for themselves. I mean, we have been doing that for the last 18 months, but some of us not very well and we're getting aches and pains. Um, and, and it really is something that we need to take control of. But of course, ultimately, an employer has responsibilities for. So that's a real shift about saying, how do you empower your people to take care of themselves? And how do you oversee that to make sure it's happening when you obviously can't go into their home office? Yeah, interesting. And I'm interested to ask you as well, on the employment side, there's a lot of debate at the moment around whether our employment laws are fit for purpose in our changing world of work. Um, so on the health and safety front, do you anticipate seeing any changes in regulations or laws as a result of what's been happening over the last 12 months? 
Hard to tell, but I think there's two areas which we've been looking at quite a lot where I think there is room for change, whether it's in the actual regulations or, or, the, or the guidance around it. So the firstly are the display screen, screen equipment regulations, snappy title, the DSE regs. And as I said, I think earlier, um, those are the regulations that look at that setup and the equipment provision in a kind of office-based environment or any kind of workstation. They were written in 1992. So if you think about where we were in the world of work, at that point, the world of uh, laptops versus PCs and, and moving around in this agile environment just wasn't considered. Um, so it is difficult to apply those at the moment. I think they do need some updating. I think we were in our 20s in 1992, <laughs> Mary, weren't we? <laughs> Don't even know if I had an email address. No, I think I did. <laughs> um, and, the, and the second area I'd say is around mental health regulation. Um, there's obviously been some talk in the press over the last week or so about this kind of concept of a switch off right for employees yeah. so that you might um, have it enshrined that you don't have to check your email out of certain hours, etc. Um, and, and I think that is probably something, having looked at it in continental Europe, may come our way and of course has a lot of relevance um, for mental health. Mary, uh, tech and AI have been huge enablers when it comes to uh, remote working. Um, have they played an important part in what's been happening um, on the health and safety front as well? Yeah, it's interesting. When you look at tech in a, in a safety context, there's the two sides. So there's the enabling side that you're just talking about there. Um, and definitely, you know, in the most simple form, the ability to use Microsoft Teams or Zoom or whatever platform you're using to connect collectively is, has been a really important um, part of ensuring good communication and checking on each other. Um, just like you know, there's much more complicated safety tech in, in other spaces where you eliminate risk by using technical tools instead like robots instead of people. Um, but it also, of course, poses a big well-being challenge. So the switch off piece that we, we just talked about in that more kind of connected world. So um, it's something that we look at on, on both sides of things. Okay. And final question, if I may, um, ESG considerations are um, gaining a lot of interest and top of agendas as well at the moment. Um, do ESG considerations play into this at all from a health and safety perspective? Yes, I mean, health and safety and ESG, I'd say go hand in hand. Um, the S of the ESG is all around social, and uh, basically that's where a lot of the ethical kind of people considerations sit. And so um, if a business is looking at ESG, but the focus seems to be all around environmental, uh, uh, net zero carbon considerations, etc., you might be missing a bit of a trick actually, um, and talking about all the things that you're looking at in, in, the, in the space that we've been talking about in the health and safety world um, is really going to play into um, part of that ESG um, agenda and really should be being talked about. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mary, for joining us today. So it's really clear, um, I think, from what everything you've said, that health and safety considerations um, remain top of agendas in a completely unprecedented way. And I think it'll be interesting for us to revisit this in the autumn and see how this has all played out. 
Um, but if anyone listening does need any more assistance or detail around any of the issues which Mary has talked about today, then our health and safety team will be delighted to help you and feel free to contact either myself or Mary. So looking ahead, uh, next week I will be talking to Michael Carter, who is head of our incentives team about the tax implications of remote working. So completely different topic, um, talking around incentives to encourage either a move to remote working or a return to the office. So that's one to tune in for. So thank you everybody for joining us today. Thanks, Mary. <laughs>